John chapter 10 is a, is a great chapter in which we're reminded of the fact that we are sheep and Jesus is our shepherd. And I pray that would sink in, you guys. We are sheep and he is our shepherd, you know, and he leads us. And, you know, the Bible speaks of this frequently. We covered this last week in Psalm 23, verse 1. You guys know it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We'll never lack. Why? Because the Lord is our shepherd. The Bible says in Psalm 95, in verse 6 and 7, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and we are his people. We are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. And that's not just, you know, you know kind of like abstract, uh, not just kind of like figurative, you know, where we just kind of let it pass by. Let it sink in that he, Jesus Christ, is our shepherd and we are his sheep. And he will protect us from wolves and he will lead us in green pastures and, and he will tend it to us. And so it's so cool when you read the Bible. There's another passage in Psalm 100 and verse 3. It says, Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And so I pray that would kind of comfort us. I pray that it would sink in. I pray that as a result of us knowing that Jesus is our shepherd, one of the most important things I pray is that we would follow him. You know, we would follow him in life. And so today we continue this concept. You might remember, we got to take it in context. In John chapter 9, you guys might remember, you know, that Jesus healed the blind man. And the religious leaders were upset with that. They're like, hey, you can't heal him. I mean, it's the Sabbath day. What are you doing healing someone on the, on the Sabbath day? And they were upset with Jesus. And not only that, they were so uh, you know, mean to this guy who got healed. When the blind man went before the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they were upset with him because you know, he didn't reject Jesus. He just said, hey, I was blind and now I see. This, this has got to be God. And they cast him out of the synagogue because of that. And so this guy uh, who is caught up in this whole thing, Jesus then begins to share, listen, um, you know, those religious leaders, they don't represent me. You guys got people out there on television that are begging for money. That's not God. These guys that are driving these, whatever, $100,000 cars and they're living in, you know, million-dollar mansions and they're getting money from the people and they're telling the, the widows and whatever, they're making these crazy promises that if you give to God, you know, financially, then you're going to be healthy, wealthy, and prosperous. And the only reason they're really telling people is that it's because they want money for themselves. There are many false prophets out there. We need to be aware of that. Many people who say they're pastors or preachers or Christians, they, they're really not. And that's what Jesus is sharing right here. So that this blind man who may have been discouraged because he got kicked out of the synagogue from these religious leaders, Jesus is trying to tell them, they're not from me. Don't be discouraged. You're in the, you're in the right place. Because this blind man who got healed, he was able to then acknowledge Jesus as as his Lord. And so in that context, Jesus is speaking of these things and he's teaching and preaching and people are listening and he's reaching out to them. And so remember, you guys, the whole point of the Gospel of John. These things are written, it says in John 20, verse 31, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, 
and that believing you may have life in his name. And this is really the whole point. This is why we're here. We're not here to get religious. We're not here to get some information. We're here to get salvation. We're here to get transformation. We're here to see who Jesus is. It's not about the pastor. It's not about the church. It's not about anyone else. It is about Jesus. And it's the relationship that you have with him. And as we go through the Gospel of John, it's such a beautiful gospel written you know, uh, the last of the four Gospels, um, Matthew was written to present Jesus as king. Mark was written to present Jesus as servant. Luke was written to present Jesus as this perfect man. But John was written to present, present Jesus as God. And, and as we go through John, we have seven signs that prove he is the Christ, the Messiah. And then we have seven I am statements. In John chapter 6, he said, I am the bread of life. Any of you here like bread? I'm just curious. I don't know why you got to pray for me. I love bread so much, too much. But Jesus is the bread of life, and he, in that, satisfies us and sustains us. Nothing else will satisfy you. No one else will satisfy you. No religion, no morality will sustain you. Only Jesus will. He's the bread of life. And then in John chapter 8 and 9, we read that he is the light of the world. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And so Jesus said, if you follow me, you won't walk in darkness. It's just all about Jesus, you know, and I pray that we would follow him because he lights up this path. We're living in a land of lies and he lights it up for us. And so the third statement we're going to read today, Jesus says, I am the door. Look what we read here in verse 7 of John chapter 10. It says, And then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy but I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And we, we started, if you were here last week, you might remember Jesus spoke of a, a different setting. He spoke of a communal sheepfold where many flocks were gathered together. And uh, if you kind of like, if you lived in the city, so to speak, you had to put your sheep in this communal a sheepfold, and then the shepherds would come in and their specific flock would follow them. But now if you can visualize, Jesus is talking about somewhere out there where there's more pasture land. And so during the warmer seasons, the shepherds would take their sheep out and they would be there in the hills and the sheep were then collected into folds and the shepherd would gather them into a natural or an improvised enclosure with a narrow opening and then the, what the shepherd would do is he would literally lay across that opening and in essence, he would become the door of the fold. All right? No one going in, no one going out unless they go through this door, unless they go through this shepherd. And that's what Jesus is saying here. I am the, the door of this sheepfold. Uh, the word in the Greek, it, it speaks of an opening. It can speak of a gate or an entrance, or even a passageway. And as we study the scriptures, this statement of Jesus really is the core of Christianity. You know, Jesus doesn't just open the door to salvation. He is the door to salvation. He doesn't just show us 
the entrance. Jesus is the entrance. It's not a program. This is not a program. This is a person. He was the one that was nailed to a cross for us. He was the one that bore our sins and he rose again. He is the one that we will we look to. You know, notice again what we read here in, in verse 7. Jesus said, I, am, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. You know, obviously, when Jesus is speaking of all who came before him, he's not necessarily speaking of the great succession of prophets that we read about in the Old Testament, uh, but rather what he's talking about is false prophets who were continually rising up in Palestine and promising that if people followed them, that you know they would kind of bring in this golden age. And you know we know, as we look at the, the life of Christ, we study the scriptures, that there are many false shepherds out there. There are many thieves out there. There are many robbers out there. They have always been around. You know, even at this time, according to the Jewish historian Josephus, there were thousands of disorders in Judea causing, you know, riots. And there were zealots, uh, not sent by God, but they said they were sent by God, but they weren't sent by God. They were sent by the devil to lead people astray. And, and that's what Jesus is warning them about, warning us about. You guys be careful. And I always try to tell you, I probably say it probably too much, but you, know, you can read a lot of books by people who are so-called Christian authors, and you could write, watch stuff on YouTube or listen to radio programs or whatever it might be. You might have a friend over there, and, and you know, they say they're Christians, but 90% of what they say is true. 10% is poison. That's enough to kill you. There are many thieves out there. We have to make sure that we, we take the Bible in, 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 in its balance. Because a lot of times people, they go off. Be careful. The, really, the best way for you to be safe is just for you to be reading your Bible, you to be reading this scripture, you to know the truth, because then you can't be deceived. But be careful, because there are many wolves out there. And this is what Jesus is saying. Now, the interesting thing he says there in verse 8 is that the sheep did not hear them. And so when you're a true Christian, hopefully there's, a, there's like a little you know, signal that goes off. There's a little red flag. And, and you don't listen to those false shepherds for long. Hopefully not ever, but hopefully not, not for long. Because the Lord says, I'm the door, they're not. And he says three things about this today. Number one, when we enter into this relationship with God through Jesus, we find forgiveness. How many of you here, anyone here need forgiveness? Just curious. I have a feeling you guys need it pretty bad. <laughs> I know I do. I had a rough week, and I, we fail every day. I thank God for his forgiveness. Number two, we get freedom. So we are forgiven when we come to Christ. We are free when we come to Christ. And then number three, we have what Jesus describes as the fullness of life. And we're going to talk about this. Look again at verse 9. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. That's huge. Saved. The Greek word, it means saved not only from present danger, but saved from everlasting destruction. You know, have you entered in through that door? Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you acknowledged the fact that you're a sinner in need of a Savior and you see right there on Calvary that Jesus was nailed to a cross, all your sins were put on Him, 
They put him in a grave after he died, but death couldn't hold him. He gutted the grave, defeated death. He rose again, and now we just put our faith and trust in him. Have you done that? Because if you've entered in by that door, then Jesus said you are saved. You will be saved from the present danger, from everlasting destruction. You know, remember what the Lord told Joseph in Matthew one twenty one, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You know, we all fall short of the glory of God. We all sin, but Jesus saves us from our sin. Uh, we save from the power of sin. We're saved from the penalty of sin. And one day we'll be saved from the presence of sin. Before I was a Christian, I couldn't stop drinking. I couldn't stop doing drugs. I couldn't stop doing sex before marriage. Before I was a Christian, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't stop cussing. Before I was a Christian, I couldn't do really good things. I really couldn't even understand the Bible. I didn't really know what prayer was. But when the Lord came into my life, I went through that door. He saved me from the power of sin. Now, at least I have a choice. Before I didn't. He saves me not only from the power of sin, but the penalty of sin, which is hell. He saved me from this. And one day he saves us from the presence of sin. Imagine what heaven's going to be like. No more this craziness that's going on in Ukraine. No many, You know, you see these things on whatever, 2020 and all these programs and murders and you know, kids and all the stuff, the incest. I mean, the crazy world that we live in, it's not supposed to be this way, but we chose to go our own way. Now it's all broken and thrashed, but one day we will not, there'll be no more sin. The Bible says that in Revelation 21, no more sickness, suffering, tears. One day we'll be home in heaven where pizza will be good for you. Imagine that, man. I just think of what heaven's going to be like. You know, this world is still pretty, man. I look out, we were at the mountains yesterday, and it's so beautiful. And uh, I was just thinking, Lord, imagine what the world will be like that it's not in a fallen condition. You know, I'll be taller, I know for sure, man. I mean, just a lot of things. I wonder, you know, what it's going to be like. Will we fly? Will we be able to check out the different galaxies? And I don't know. I don't know what your reaction will be when you see Jesus. But that's heaven. When we enter into this door, we are saved from the power and penalty and presence of sin. You know, the other day I was at Home Depot admiring the doors they had for sale because we actually need a new door. And some of them were pretty expensive. I guess a fancy door kind of adds a nice touch to your home, huh? I read about one door offered by a company named Pinham Doors and Windows. They have a showroom in Romania, and it's a door that sells for $34,000. I think I'm going to get one of those. No, I'm just joking. Um, But it's made with what they call this green consciousness consisting of ecological leather and decorated with some 31,000 crystals. And I don't know, it's a pretty fancy door. Imagine having a door like that. But our door is better. You guys know that, right? This door goes beyond appreciation or admiration. Our door goes to adoration. For we have in him something that I desperately need. And I know you do too. The forgiveness of our sins. That's what salvation really means. Christians aren't aren't flawless. They're forgiven. They're not perfect. They're pardoned. Why? Because we entered in through this door. 
Acts 13.38, it says, Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And Ephesians 1.7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. You know, I, I we don't have time. You know, time always goes by so fast with you guys. But if you, let's, let's do it real quick. Luke 15, let's turn there, you guys. Because when I think of just how good the Lord is, and I think of the forgiveness that he's offering, I just think, well, maybe there's some out here, Lord, who have maybe drifted away, and just they just need to know what an awesome shepherd you are. What an awesome shepherd he is. And it says here in Luke 15, then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Can you believe that? And so he spoke this parable to them, and he said, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you, Jesus said, that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. And, And when I read that right there, I'm like, man, that's... My shepherd, that's the way he is. Like, if ever the day comes where I stray away, he will leave the 99 and he will go after the one. The one. Maybe that's you here today. Maybe you're the one that God is going after. That's the love that we have. That's what it means to be a part of his uh, fold and, and it's so amazing to me because you you know some people might be like well there's a hundred of them and there's one it's no big deal ain't no thing but the lord is not like that every single one is so precious to him and then you know so not only does he leave the 99 to go after the one but when he finds the one he picks it up and he just has this amazing party and he celebrates man and he's just so happy that's god that's god that's how much He loves every single person. This is our shepherd. This is what we find when we read the scriptures. So so when we enter into the door, Jesus said, if you enter into the door, then number one, you're saved. And so in that you find forgiveness. But then secondly, we find freedom. And this is huge for me. Look, if you would, back in John chapter 10, in verse 9. Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. I and will go in and out and find pasture. And so to go in and out and find pasture was a well-known phrase among the Jews and, and really the culture of that time. To be able to come and go, in one sense, uh, was the Jewish way of describing a life that was safe and secure. When a person can come and go without fear, it means that the country is at peace. It means that law and order have been established and they provide a secure uh, society. 
And that's what Jesus said, that if you come in this door, you're forgiven and you're free. And you get to go in and out. And, and it's this amazing life in which you don't have to live in fear. Now, I hate to use this as an illustration, but, you know, I, I've been in different places where it's been dangerous. And sometimes, you know, depending on what time it is in different neighborhoods in Cambodia or Nepal or wherever it might be, even sometimes in Israel in certain areas, and even now, if you think about it, over in Ukraine, you can't just go in and out. You can't because there is, it's not a, there's not that safety. There's not that security now in the society. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nation that's ravaged by war. But, but when you become a Christian, it's different because now you're free to go in and out because, man, you have this shepherd who's going to watch over us. You know, you're, you're free, and freedom is so much more than I think what we realize. You know, in one sense, I think we're free from our fears. We no longer are freaking out, you know, because we're part of his flock. He protects us. You guys know that? Did you guys know nothing can touch you unless it's filtered through his hands? He directs us. Imagine that. I mean, God says, this is where I want you to go, and it's just so cool. You don't have to be like a Christian who knows like some type of spiritual, you know, I don't know, algebra to figure it out god what do you want me to do it's real simple just follow him not complicated not sophisticated you don't need a degree in theology just follow him it's so cool he he comes and he brings us to that place where we have nothing to fear we are free i know you guys are going through things and i'm going through things and i wonder what's going to happen you know, with this loved one or that or these situations. We all have that, you know, but when you're, the Lord is your shepherd, he sets you free from your fears. Maybe you're here and you've been worrying. I want to encourage you, you don't, don't do it. Did you know that worrying is sin? Because the Lord told you not to. <laughs> so don't worry. Worry is a thin stream of fear that trickles through the mind if encouraged, it will cut a channel so wide that all of the thoughts will be drowned in it. Worry, check this out, is, 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 is faith in the negative, trust in the unpleasant, assurance of disaster, and belief in defeat. That's worry. A person who's afraid, a person who's worried, is not free. But when Jesus is your shepherd, you have nothing to worry. And what he does is he gives us, you know, this, this forgiveness, this salvation, and he gives us this freedom. Now we can go in and out and live life and find pasture and run through the fields of forgiveness. I mean, it is amazing what happens when he sets us free. You know, he gives us forgiveness. He gives us freedom. You know, John 8, 32, you guys might remember that, but let's turn there real quick. Remember what it says in John chapter 8 and verse 32? And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you what? Free. And, and there's a lot to that. We live in the United States of America, and you know we know the value of freedom, and we know... You know, and I know, you know, it's always hard to find the balance between, you know, the laws and all that kind of stuff and legislation. And I don't want to get all political or anything, but we know how, how wonderful freedom is. 
And the Lord gives us that in a spiritual sense. You know, the religious guys, what they would do is they would put rules and regulations and they would tell them, listen, if you really want God to love you, then you, you know, have to do A, B, C, D, and you have to make sure you do it every day. And, and then when you really come to Jesus and you read the Gospels and you read the New Testament, you read the Bible, really, you find out, listen, I don't really, uh, I mean, I'm free. God loves me. And nothing I can do to make, can, can make him change the love that he has for me. I can't make him love me more. I can't make him love me less. I am free from that pressure. I am free from religion. I have now a relationship, a love relationship with God. Because that's what they were doing. They were putting all these rules and regulations and bondage and all that kind of stuff. And Jesus said, listen, if I came to set you free, you know, you're free indeed. So you enter through the door, you have forgiveness, you have freedom. And then number three, you have fullness of life. Look again, if you would, at John chapter 10, in verse 10. It says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Now again, remember he's contrasting, you know, his leadership with that of the false shepherds and he mentions the thief right here and I think we can probably, you know, really summarize this as the enemy, the, the devil and his demons and you know just the the world that's under their influence. And what we find right here is a thief, notice his agenda is to steal, kill, and destroy. And so he wants to take what doesn't belong to him. He wants to slaughter uh, people, slay them for food, to ruin them, demolish, crush, and defeat. That's the agenda of the adversary. Steal you from God. Kill you. He's always been a murderer, death. This is why we find so much suicide. You go and you see people, these young people cutting themselves. What is that? It's a self-destructive behavior. So much of that is rooted in what the devil does. That's his agenda, to steal people from God, to kill them, and to destroy them. And that's the simplicity of it. But Jesus said, my, my agenda is so much different. Contrast that, he says, I have come that you may have life, first of all, but not just life, that you may have that more abundantly. And so, you know, before we were Christians, we were dead in our sins. I couldn't understand anything. I would go to a Bible study and it would go one ear and ear out the other. I would read my Bible. I read the whole Bible. I didn't understand it. Why? Because I wasn't saved. I didn't really have life. And so Jesus came to give us life. Jesus came to give us forgiveness so that when we die, we go to heaven. So he wants that. That's where it starts. But not just that. Not just that you're saved. I mean, he wants us to have this abundant life. And I don't know if you guys realize that or if you're experiencing that, but you know that's what the Lord wants. Just like for any of us here, and I know it's hard. Our children have their choices, and there's a lot of complicated things in this world that's fallen and broken. But you guys know just as well as I do that if you have any, you have kids. I mean, you just want the best for them. You want the best for them. You know, whatever it is that God made you to do, son. Whatever it is that God made you to do, you know, daughter, sweetheart. 
You know, it doesn't have to be something that necessarily you got rich or whatever, but it was what you were made to do, and you can live your life in satisfaction. And I pray that you meet some guy one day that will love you with the love of God and will treat you the way you're supposed to be treated, and that you will live a life of love and joy and peace. See, the, the life that the Lord offers is not just, while well, they got saved and they're going to go to heaven by the skin of their teeth. No, this life that God has for us is just this abundant life. Peace for the path, the joy for the journey, love for a lifetime. What were you made to do? When God knit you together in your mother's womb, there was a plan. So how do you do this? I mean, well, I think we kind of go back to the whole sheep shepherd thing. You follow him. You follow him. I mean, do you believe in God? Do you believe what we're talking about, what we're always preaching here about this personal relationship that you have with God? I can't tell you what God wants you to do in a personal way, but he will tell you. He will give you marching orders. And as you follow him, you're going to have this life and that more abundantly. Man, whatever you do, don't settle for the crumbs the world has to, to offer. It's a crummy life. I mean, honestly, man, what the world says, hey, this is the you know American dream, and they'll tell you what to do, and they've got their ways and their media and their agenda of shaping the way that you think and stuff. You know what? Break free from all of that, because that'll never satisfy you. The life that God has for you is so much greater. Imagine that. God has a calling on your life. Are we following him? If we follow him, and we're not fooled into thinking that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, then we can have this uh, full life. Like I always tell you guys, not F-O-O-L. Don't be a fool. F-U-L-L. Lord, I know I'm nothing, but Lord, I know you love me. What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? How do you want me to live? Lord, give me power to be able to love my wife as Christ loved the church and died for her. Help me to be a good dad. Help me to be a good son. Whatever it is, whatever it is that God has for you, you, know, you walk in power, not defeat. This is the agenda of Jesus. He said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Next thing you know, you're going on missions trips. Next thing you know, you're, you're seeing people around you get saved. Next thing you know, your family's getting blessed. All because you're following God. And so, the Lord is my shepherd. Isn't that cool? I shall not want. Where's the door? Have you ever been to a building where you're like, hey, man, where's the door? I can't find it. <laughs> I walk around. There it is. And so for us, real simple as a church, it's not complicated. I don't want to make it complicated. It's just all about Jesus. And, and really, Jesus is the door. And so if you haven't already done so, my encouragement to you today is to come on in.